Welcome to the latest EvertonFC.com new stadium podcast. The landscape is changing all the time at Bramley Moor Dock and it's fascinating to have the opportunity to observe it. As always on the new stadium podcast, we'll be speaking to the key personnel as the Bramley Moor dream becomes a reality. Well, since our last podcast, there have been two very significant developments. First of all, the clearance of the dock was completed and the process of filling it in with sand got underway. And that, as you can well imagine, is not as straightforward as it sounds. I spoke to Andy Bainton down at Bramley Moor on the day that the infill process actually began. It's a huge milestone uh, today. So today is the day uh, when we start actually filling the dock with sand. Um, we're doing that uh, by using uh, what we call a trailing suction hopper dredger. So it's a huge vessel. Uh, in the early hours of this morning, the vessel left the dock. It went out into the Irish Sea. It filled the hopper with approximately 3,000 cubic metres of sand. And then it sailed in, into uh, just opposite Bramley Moor Dock and arrived about 8 o'clock this morning. We're now just going to connect the vessel up to the, the pipeline that's currently uh, floating in the River Mersey. The sand will then be pumped through the pipeline and into what we call a spreader pontoon. The spreader pontoon will manoeuvre about and disperse the, the sand evenly over the full area of the dock. It sounds quite basic, quite easy, but I'm sure it's not. What are the issues that you have to contend with? Well, from the navigational side of things, obviously, we've got the weather to contend with. Uh, wave height is going to be the, the, the main issues to contend with. So once we start talking about four to five metres in wave height, then the captain ser- has to seriously start thinking about safety issues and uh, for the crew and damage to the vessel. So it's at that point um, where he's going to have to call it a day until the conditions are, are, are better. The main issue then that we need to contend with on land uh, will be controlling the water levels within the actual dock itself. So if you imagine filling your bathtub up with sand, if you put too much sand in that bathtub then the water is going to overflow. To control that we're actually using some huge pumps which are set up over on the corner of the dock. So as that sand is displacing that water we'll move the water into the next dock. The actual amount of sand that we need to um, dredge from the sea is in the region of 460,000 cubic metres of sand. Um, just to give you an idea, uh, 463,000 is roughly the volume of 185 olympic size swimming pools. <laughs> and we've got a terrific view now. We've moved out of the wind and the rain and we're on the scaffolding alongside the famous hydraulic tower. The hydraulic tower is obviously a crucial part, a pivotal part of the whole site, but part of it has to be dismantled and rebuilt brick by brick. Yeah, that's correct, Darren, yeah. The safest way for us to deal with it is actually to deconstruct it from top down. So it's going to be from uh, a mute, from a cherry picker from above, um, which means that the, uh, you know, the operatives aren't working right next to it. They're above. If anything was to happen, at least they're out of harm's way. Let's get back to the, to the infill process, Andy. Can you just rock up in a dredge in the middle of the Irish Sea and take as much sand as you want? Uh, no, um, it's not quite that easy. So... Um, uh, all over the world there are actually designated dredge zones um, so in this particular uh, project we're using what's called area 457 which is uh, approximately 23 nautical miles northwest of, of where we are currently um, and that is the designated dredge zone for this project um, so that dredge zone is owned by the Crown Estate and Boscalis Westminster who are carrying out this operation have a license um, to, to dredge sand from, from that location when we're up here on the scaffold of the hydraulic tower, Andy, and we're looking out, we can see the dock, we can see the crushing machines, we can see the pile of bricks. 
how easy is it for you to envisage a football stadium here? The halfway line over there, the goal, uh, the Evertonians here. Is it, is, it, is it easy to imagine for you being in the business? Uh, for me personally, yes, uh, it, it, it's very easy. Um, what, what helps these days is obviously we use a lot of 3D modelling, uh, digital engineering. Um, so we've been able to uh, appreciate the end product, what that end product looks like uh, for, for quite a while. Um, so although it does uh, look a little bit chaotic at the moment, um, you know, the more you get to understand the, the detail of the project, uh, yeah, you, you can stand back and envisage it um, from, from the existing topography. The other significant development was the laying of the foundations, the very foundations on which the brand new Everton Football Club Stadium will stand are already being put into the ground. It's all becoming very, very real, isn't it? And to find out more about this part of the process, I spoke to Danny Jones no more than 30 yards or so from where the drilling of the very first one was taking place. Danny, there's a huge drill behind us that I've not seen before. What's it doing? So we're currently drilling for the foundations for the, uh, the northern stand, Western Terrace. Um, so we basically drill down to around 15, 16 metres. Um, You'll see that at the minute he's actually concreting, so the drill's got a big uh, a hollow stem inside. So as he drills, he then pump concrete through to the bottom, through the hollow stem, replacing the, the bore with essentially just a, a column of concrete. And then we place the reinforcement caging inside the bore. Uh, and then that's when you'll start connecting the power caps for the main structure to build on. So does the concrete in some way get dispersed once it reaches the level that you need it to be at? No, so... So he drills at basically a column of concrete, he drills at an empty hole and replaces that fully with concrete and that forms the foundation for the main, for the stand. How many holes similar to this one are you going to have to do in total? Uh, looking in the region at the minute, I think around two and a half thousand. Wow. Um, the 600 diameter, I think all the piles around that, 600 diameter. Um, the deepest pile we've got is about 18 metres long, uh, roughly taking anywhere around four four to six cubic meters per pile. So this is going to take quite a while, isn't it? Can you estimate how long yeah. those two and a half thousand will take? So I think we're anticipating, uh, depending on the, obviously the progress of the, of the dock, uh, middle of next year, completion of, of the piling. Um, we have got some different type of piling on over here where we've got a bit of a, a couple of piles and bridge. We've got some granite to core through, which we'll be doing the back end of next year. Um, yeah, quite a few piles, definitely. Just explain to us, Danny, why it's so important that this process happens so early in the whole project. Yeah, it's obviously. I think Lango Rock, as a you know, as a business, we we have like a a, a pretty unique model. We can like offer the the full package kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's obviously we're kind of usually the first on site. We're the the first yeah. guys in uh, on the construction site. Um, and yeah, obviously as the, the piling progresses, you'll see the pile cap works, they'll start digging down, uh, cropping the piles, uh, and you'll see obviously the actual foundations, but that's when they start to come out of the ground then. So this process here, it's absolutely essential. Nothing else can happen Definitely, without this. Definitely, yeah, without the piles, just the nature of the ground. Uh, there's certain loads, so obviously with the stand and the fans sitting on the, uh, on the stand as well. Um, certain loads which need to be transferred somehow and obviously the way we do that is through a piled foundation for us. Yeah I mean for, for us it, it, 
So we're usually in and out fairly quickly. Um, so it's not something that we would typically, you know, we, it's, it's a big field for us. We drill, fill and move on to the next one. But obviously the way uh, we have like the digital models and stuff, I don't know if you, you've seen that, but it is quite good now. You do actually get to see that. And like we have got a collaborative approach with, uh, with Expanded and Lango Rock. And it's something that we are getting a bit more exposure to now. And it does look good. It's fascinating stuff, isn't it? It really is. Well, recently at the Titanic Hotel on the Liverpool waterfront, our construction partner, Lango Rourke, hosted a formal event for the key members of staff responsible for delivering this project. The afternoon consisted of a series of informative presentations, and it's clear that the Bramley Moor project is in safe and perfectly capable hands. However, obviously with a project of this magnitude and the amount of individuals who will be collectively building the new stadium, health and safety has to be of the utmost importance. During a break in the presentations, I caught up with Andrew Swindles and suggested that health and safety on site is very scientific. Andrew, just enjoyed your presentation there on health and safety at the Bramley Moor Dock. It's a massive, massive project for Everton, for Lango Raw. The health and safety side of it seems all very scientific. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's there's a lot of risks on site. There's a lot of people on site. The, there needs to be a real thought-out plan about we can deliver this stadium without placing people at risk of harm. Do you have the same basic principles of health and safety? Whether you're building a putting together a small building or a, a massive project like Bramley Moor Dock. Well, I think the insurance programme that we deliver really aligns with the programme, so we target the operations on site, um, but a lot of the engagement that we do goes a long way to mitigating the risk, um, keeping the workforce fully included in what we do really helps with that. It's very interesting that, that mental health plays a huge part. It's this project is attracting interest from all over the world. There are millions of Evertonians watching every single brick that gets taken away, every single brick that gets put up. But with it, that brings enormous pressures for the for the decision makers, for example. Yeah, I, I think we've been on a journey regarding mental health for quite a while now. We, we, you know, we've done an enormous amount of training over the years, and we're really open with the workforce, and the workforce, likewise. Um, share all their insights with regards where they are day to day um, ongoing programs really help and the support is there for everyone on site i was going to say that, that it's a massive massive site so i suppose there's got to be a, a massive support network yes so our project has um, access to its own mental health champions mental health first aiders that are resident on, on the project but we also have access to counselling off-site if, um, if people need that, that privacy and need to speak to someone in, in the case of emergency or in case of any issue whether it be finance, um, things that happen in the home or anything pertaining to outside support the access is always there. We've been down there, I've been fortunate enough to have a look around the Bramley Moor site a few times now and I've got to put the steel toe boots on, the high-vis jacket, the hard hats, I mean, how many of them, do you, how many of them are, going to, are you going to need when it's at its zenith? Oh um, when, we, when we get the complex well established, there'll be a specific area where it'll be like the footballer's boot room, you know, you'll come in, <laughs> you'll get inducted, you'll go in, you'll, you'll be kitted out and we'll, we'll go for a stroll on site, so we'll use a number of them. 
over the course of the project. In, in all seriousness, every visitor to the site has got to comply with these rules, and it's absolutely essential. Yeah, well, the the onboarding process that we have is very specific to the project. It's it's one of a kind um, that we've developed, including the welcome pack that we send out to everyone. So we're really proud of that, and uh, I think it'll be a huge success. Is it so far so good, Andrew? It is so so far so good. There's a lot of planning on into it. It's early days. We're we ten we ten weeks in. Everything's as it as we expect it to be. Well, also present at the Lango Rock event was Everton's Alex Craig. She's the club's stadium development and project manager, and she's basically part of the link between the football club and the construction partner. Alex took time out to explain a little bit more about her role. So I've been working on the project sort of full time now for about two years. Um, been primarily focused on the, the planning application stage and all of the kind of stakeholder engagement collation of that sub, well both submissions um, and the Goodison Legacy submission as well. Uh, so that's been my sort of primary focus at the start of the project and then also any of the kind of land matters that have surrounded the project. So the securing of the site itself, the agreement repeal, uh, any of the kind of side agreements with land stakeholders. Um, all of those sorts of things and then kind of division of responsibilities in the design so I've been looking at anything to do with stadium operations and security anything inside the bowl and then also public realm as well so from the very start the projects or the the, the, the slices of the projects that you've been involved in they couldn't go wrong could they you had to get you had to get them right so you we say you've you say with a smile I've been involved for two <laughs> years but it's been a pressure two years isn't it yeah definitely and I think with the the pandemic and lockdowns and working from home it's been almost intensified by that as well because it's been kind of non-stop you know when we've we've had deadlines to hit when you've got the the planning committee coming up and you know stakeholders that you've got to meet by a certain time or these different things that you've got to fit in it has been really intense but it's been really enjoyable as well a kind of challenge that doesn't come along every day and um, really exciting and you're you're always talking about you know, an exciting thing for Everton and an exciting thing for the city with all of the social benefits case and things that it brings along with it. You know, there's a real high level of interest and um, enthusiasm about it. So it's been a pleasure to be a part of. So in layman's terms, are you, are you a sort of direct link between Everton Football Club, Lango Rock and, 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 and the Bramley Moor Dock site? Yeah, so we, we have obviously our internal team uh, led by Colin. Um, and then myself and colleague Aidan, we liaise with Lango Rock. Depending on what the sort of subject matter conversation is, um, it will be one of ourselves. So we, we are general points of contact between the internal team is, is quite small. And then we try and disseminate anything that Lango Rock need on a decision or uh, need to present to somebody with you know a specialist role within the club. We manage those relationships as well to try and try and keep everything sort of cohesive and have an overview of everything, and and then hopefully nothing slips through the net. <laughs> We're at the Titanic Hotel now, but Jordan Pickford goal kick away from the Bramley Moor site. And when you're at these presentations, and when I've been in your company, when we've walked around the site, it's massive. It's pretty daunting, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I think. Because, because you've been involved for such a long time and talked about it for such a long time, to finally see it on site and feel the scale of it and everything, it, it can be quite overwhelming and especially when you walk around and explain it to somebody who's not been there before, it reminds you how, how big of a project it is. But I think when you're in it day to day because you've got your kind of head in the detail and you're working on 
the next thing, the next thing, just kind of in bite-sized chunks. You can forget that quite easily. It's not until you get the chance to talk about it again with someone new that's like, wow, this is what I'm involved in, and it's, it's pretty amazing. It's a massive project. It's going to take three years, and anything of this magnitude, it won't go smoothly. Things like that never do. So if there are any issues, will you be the first one to know? Yeah, I think um, anything that sort of to be escalated to client teams, so up to us, we, we'll find out about. And obviously there's massive challenges down there with the sheer scale of it and then the complexities that come with the fact that we're, you know, it is a water body at the minute and there's a whole lot of marine engineering and things to take place and we are susceptible to the weather down there. We're right, we're right on the banks of the Mersey. So there's the all wind howls down <laughs> there, doesn't it? <laughs> it definitely does, but hopefully it'll be howling in our favour on the match day. <laughs> Are you used to putting the steel-toed boots on and a oh, yeah. hat and a high-vis jacket? Yeah, oh, I've got my kit bag in the boot now, I'm all <laughs> sorted, yeah, all the gear. <laughs> you obviously have a, a lot of dealings directly with, with, with Lango Rourke. They've been terrific to work with, haven't they? Yeah, they've been really great. There's some really impressive people that work in the teams, really knowledgeable people. Um, amazing things that, you know, different projects and things that they've worked on in the past. Um, yeah, they're fantastic people to work with and a lot that we'll learn from them and they'll learn from us as well. They seem so, to share our values, don't they? Yeah, massively. They've got look, great people that, that, you know, that work there, really sociable characters and, you know, lovely people to meet when you go onto the site. So I'm, I'm made up that we've got a team full of those kind of people. For the future of the project, it's so important that the relationship between Everton Football Club and Lango Rock is as close as it can possibly be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to be working together for a long time. We've been working together really closely for the past kind of 18 months now. Um, and long may that continue on site because at the end of the day, you know, we're all the people and say it'll be exciting to go with our families. They'll bring theirs and you can all say we collectively, we the team that have delivered this uh, for Evertonians. What an unbelievable legacy to leave for everyone involved, for each and every person making a good contribution. Absolutely fabulous. Now, finally, in our first podcast, we brought you news that professional divers were plunging into the dark and murky depths of the dock in search of anything and everything that might have hindered the infill. The biggest potential concern was anything left over from the Second World War, when the northern dock area of Liverpool was peppered by German aircraft. Colin Chong is our Director of Stadium Development, and he confirmed recently to me that leftover enemy attacking devices were in fact located thankfully, successfully and safely detonated. Colin, one of the first processes at Bramley Moor Dock was to search the actual dock for objects that might hinder the process. And I believe you found some that really would have hindered the process had they not been found. Um, to be quite honest, Darren, that's the absolute truth. We've come across um, 12 unexploded Second World War ordnance, some of which were quite substantial. Wow. Um, and at no no doubt at some point in time you'll be putting it on the uh, the website to, for people to see how we dealt with them but um, it just goes to show the importance of carrying out a proper survey and carrying out the activities with uh, with proper due diligence as well because um, these things are life-threatening. It wasn't a major surprise was it? We, we half expected that type of thing because as we've mentioned before Col on this that area of Liverpool was peppered during the war. It is no surprise um, but we were a little disappointed on how many we did find. Um, I've got to be honest, I think I might have said this before, 40 years worth of construction experience and I've only ever found one unexploded ordinance in that time. And then in the last you know, three weeks, four weeks, we've come across you know, 12, which is um, 
I should imagine it's probably unprecedented in most you know constructors. Um, Just shows how bad it was down there during the war, though, doesn't it? It, it is, and, and interestingly enough, we never found any empty shells um, right. because they were always collected and reused, mm. um, recycled, you know, during the war. But they must have just kicked any of the uh, the duds straight into the dock <laughs> and let somebody else worry about them. <laughs> Not dreaming that a football ground would be built on never, this no. 80 years later. So they've all been defused, I don't know whether that's the correct word, but they've been dealt with safely. They've all been safely detonated, uh, safely detonated by the uh, either the Navy or the Army. So um, as it stands now, there's a low risk uh, associated with that site. You can never mitigate completely, but mm. um, the areas where we're going to have, I suppose construction intervention we're going into the ground those areas have uh, have really been thoroughly cleared that's where the divers earn their money isn't it that's the that's the danger money i wouldn't want to do it i've got to... <laughs> nor me <laughs> no, definitely not thanks colin no problem all's well that ends well and there's colin duly putting our minds at rest and that's just about it for this latest new stadium podcast as i've mentioned before we'll be keeping you right up to speed with everything that's going on down at the site and by listening regularly and keeping an eye on evertonfc.com you won't miss a thing thanks for listening 